to the Glitch Text Rewatch podcast. We are so excited to have you joining us for episode four, Schmatchazors. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and we have two amazing guests. Hey, I'm Adam Gans. I was the production coordinator on Glitch Text at this point in the run, and then later on, uh, starting around season two, I was the script coordinator and executive assistant to Dan and Eric. Well, greetings. My name is Mary Eve. On Glitch Tech, I was in the Montreal studio and I was working into the rigging department and also fixing and trying to optimize the designs and characters and trying to work the pipeline to make it easier for the next people in the production line, such as animators, future riggers, and ink and paint artists. So yeah, just trying to optimize and streamline the pipeline as much as I could, as well as doing the rig for the early builds of the character. Excellent. And so for those at home who may not be too familiar with how, you know, rigging a character works, what exactly does that process entail? Okay, so the, so the process means that we receive a turnaround of the character and we have to take that character and break it into many, many, many different pieces. So maybe if you knew a little bit about little puppets, uh, paper puppets animation that you would maybe see as a kid with like little paper parts that you would move on little metal rivets, kind of little puppets like that. Rigging is basically taking a character and trying to work in a puzzle matter to try to have all these little pieces connect to create kind of a rig or a puppet of your character. But instead of using papers, you're using the drawings in your computers. So it's kind of like in 3D when they have a character that is static and they need to put little bones in it. Well, we put little bones and rivets and pegs on these characters to make them animatable but it was really challenging on Glitch Tech because the fun fact is that it was not planned as a cutout show. It was planned as a hand-drawn animated show. So when, when it switched to cutout, there was lots of little things that were challenges that happened and I cannot wait to talk about it while we watch the episode. Oh yeah. Because we... was a big example of yeah. uh, little challenges. <laughs> awesome. And that's exactly what we want to know about because that is animation. It is solving challenges. And Adam, you had multiple jobs as well working on the show, going from being a, a PC to script coordinator and an EA. So what mm -hmm. were some of your job duties? From production coordinating, I was, uh, I think that I was the first production person hired after the line producer and production manager. So I think when I came on the show, it was those two positions, Dan and Eric, and that was it. So I was, I guess, the fifth person on. So my first job was like, set up the server, get the pipeline figured out. And then, you know, we were hiring PAs. So it was reviewing a lot of, a lot of resumes, getting to go into those interviews and things. It was really cool. We ended up setting up a really good team. And then as the production team, our job was really to... I mean, I always say production is the conveyor belt in between departments. That's your job in the factory is to make sure that things are going from here to here, you know, this stage to that stage on schedule and without any hiccups and that the people that you hand off to have everything they actually need to do their job. Because if they don't, you haven't actually done your job completely yet. So yeah, it was that kind of stuff. And then we do design breakdowns on episodes. That was like a really big part of the time consumption was watching through episodes like this one, Smash Azores, and really 
figuring out everything we would need to design and ship overseas, including multiple versions of the characters, which we also see in this episode, which I'm sure uh, Marie Ev can talk about a little bit when we get there, how much of a pain it is. <laughs> yes. I rigged this character from five minutes ago. Now it's five minutes later in the runtime and I need to rig this new one. Very good. And then as script coordinator, what is that? Like, what, what does that entail? Yeah, so that's kind of like, it's almost like the production department spy in the writer's room. <laughs> like, your job is to be the person making sure that we're hitting deadlines on time. Every episode goes through like premise. So that would be a couple of sentences about what the episode is, then into outline, then into script. And that was how we did it on this show where we turned it into the network for notes and feedback at each one of those stages. So we'd give them a premise or we'd give them like a few premises. They'd be like, I really like this one with these tweaks. We'd make those and go back as an outline. They'd give us notes on that and so on until we got like a final script that we could go to boards with. So short answer, the script coordinator is just making sure that you're hitting all those milestones on time. Very cool. And then last job, EA, what were you doing? Uh, getting coffee, getting it thrown in my face. No, oh, no. Dan and Eric were great. <laughs> now the truth comes out, now that they're not here. We can finally expose them. <laughs> no, no, they were awesome. It was a lot of like, it was like managing their schedule because, you know, being a showrunner or being showrunners themselves and sharing that job is just, you have to be in like four different meetings every hour of the day. So it's making sure they were getting from here to there, that every meeting was going as quickly as it needed to go. And if things needed to be pushed, making sure that that, that happened. And then cool stuff like uh, the series Bible, which I don't know if they're ever going to uh, publish this thing, but Dan and Eric made hard copies of this really awesome, like, I mean, it was hundreds of pages long series Bible that was like the rules of Plixel energy and like, here are the guidelines for like a new glitch text recruit. And like, so with that series Bible, it was like proofreading it and like suggesting sections and things like that, doing a little bit of like writing up what story premises were from past episodes. So that was, it was fun. That sounds good. And then pre-show record, both of you were mentioning that I believe both of you actually started on the show back in 2016. So that goes to show how long it takes to make an animated show. It is not a, it is not a quick process. So by the time that all of you at home are watching the episodes, <laughs> they've been done for at least a year or two. And that's, that's pretty typical of animation. It, it can take quite some time. Yeah, in my case, it was nuts. I, I think we got because that's also something that people don't know. Like, how does a studio get a show? I know that in Montreal, we do most of our jobs is service work. So the, the series would be divided in many parts, like animation, design, compositing and stuff. And in Montreal, we were responsible for like only the, well, only <laughs> the rigging and the animation. But kind of the way that our studio got the job was because of our previous work on like Wakfu and other series that Dan and Eric referenced a lot for the show. So like, okay, we can do this. But I remember that at first our studio got the offer to work on it and we had to turn it down. So then since my studio turned it down and I really wanted to work on it, I was like, oh, and I got another job offer to go to work on like on Big Hero 6. So I moved to another country to work on that. And then when I came back, my studio was like, uh, we, we asked our studio head like, yeah, how, how is Glitch Text going? And he was like, 
actually, we might get it. And I was like, actually, I might come back to Montreal for that. <laughs> so I flew back <laughs> to Montreal to work on that. So yeah, like it doesn't happen like magic. Sometimes it can take a year before a studio actually discuss and gets the show and everything is pipelined, run down and stuff. So that, that was a crazy event and process. So it was really nice to finally be able to work on it. And yeah, that's awesome. And, and you're right. I mean, in between the show, you worked on an entirely different show. Oh yeah, I, I, well, we, I heard of Lichtech. I moved back uh, for like half a year to work on that other show. And then I came back to Lichtech. So that was crazy. <laughs> it took yeah. us a while to find a studio too. I remember the search for an animation studio that would hit this 10 quality at this six price. <laughs> Yeah. It was a tough and search. I, oh, and I remember when I went to work on the other show, <laughs> people were talking about glitch text. <laughs> they were like, yeah, our show tried to get it, but then we, we had to, like, our studio had to turn it down. And then this studio had also to turn it down because of, like, uh, how do we say in English? Ah, the scope of the show was so big that most studio didn't have the effective, didn't have enough employee to work on it and stuff. So everybody knew about it, but nobody knew who was working on it at the moment, but everybody heard about it. So it was really great, like from Denmark all the way to like France, all the way to California, to Montreal, everybody heard about it, but nobody knew where it was. Oh my gosh, it's the worldwide phenomenon on this show. It's like, but where is it? <laughs> before it happened. It? So before, it even... before it was even a show. Yeah, so that is amazing. So let's get into the show and this episode. So this is Glitch Tech Season 1, Episode 4, Smashosaurus. So when an ultra-rare, ultra-dangerous glitch turns Casino into a character from his favorite video game, it's up to High Five to save him. So this is great. Friendship episode, this taking care of your friends, taking care of people, making sure you don't leave anybody behind. So everyone at home, we have our Netflix player queued on our end to 000. So everyone at home, Go ahead and queue up your Netflix player to 000, and at the count of three, not before, not after, but on three, hit play. So all together now, one, two, three. Loading up, we got that Netflix this logo. This is so exciting, have a good show. <laughs> yeah. Netflix original series. And I just have to say, I love the Thundercats, Dino Saucers-esque opening of this episode. It's really great. It's like everything I loved about 80s cartoons. Yeah, I, love I remember this theme we song. saw the animatic for that part, and you were like, how are we <laughs> going to do that? <laughs> it's like too much flipping. But, but apparently it was sent to a, like a freelancer who did it on his own in his corner, so we didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> Oh no. So, so did you guys occasionally have to like bring him snacks and drinks? Or was it just like, hey, hey man, how's, how's it going? How's it going over there? Well, my studio was supposed to get the Castlevania episode and the in studio, studio 100 was supposed to get the dinosaur episode. So we were like, they'll figure it out. <laughs> Fun. But yeah, we eventually had to work on it too, so. And that Castlevania episode was no easier though, right? No, I... Yeah, it was different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love what when they're kids, they're so cute. Yeah. I like Five's like little chipmunk sneezes. Mm-hmm. 
It's the first time we hear Five's dad, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we don't see him for, for a little bit here. Now the present. You're still a gamer. Playing the game. I apologize in advance, but my thing was in French, so I hope that it didn't mess up the recording. Oh, no, it'll be fine. So I muted it. It'll be totally fine. And this sequence is just so well done. Yeah, I think this was a Phil Jacobson sequence. It was the Phil Sarah Sung storyboard you team. You boarded that? That's so great. Yeah. Yeah, and we will have them on at a later date. So looking forward to that. And I love this. It's like, what'll make plants mad? Just smashing other plants. Ali was my favorite at first when I started on the show. Like, I saw the designs and I called dibs on her to, <laughs> to do the rig and puppet and stuff. Yeah. Is that how it usually works? Do they, do they um, essentially say, hey, these are all the characters, choose the ones you want? Or, like, how, mm, when does that process? No, because I, like, there was the rigging, like, the, the head of rigging, and I was her right hand, so I kind of got first dibs on a bunch of stuff. Oh, see, that's great. <laughs> You're like, I, I would she like. She was busy doing meetings and stuff, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I took care of the rigging team of like the juniors and trained them. So I was kind of dispatching who got who, which character, to try and and value their, their strength. So like, if, a, if someone was good at a certain thing, I would give them characters that fit their uh, strength. <laughs> okay, that's good. I know that boarding is similar as well. From talking to Eric and Dan about it, a lot of times it's a lot of who's best at comedy, who's best at action, who's best at emotional beats, making sure that you're assigning those to people who are really good at those, but also giving people a chance too. Yeah, that's really great. If you're in a studio, oh yeah, the, 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 the theme is so great. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a studio that allows and kind of values this, it's a whole different experience than just a studio that's gonna take the Google sheet and just hand out seeing that random people. When you kind of can work on your uh, rely on your strength and work on your weaknesses. It's really great when the studio acknowledges that, but it's not always the case. No, you have to really know your team. And sometimes it's just not even not knowing the team, but just time. It's like, uh, we need the stun. You, you, and you. Okay, go. <laughs> Yeah, I love this. She's like, I'm just going to walk backwards and everything's fine. <laughs> yep, it's a Phil Sung and Sarah collaboration. Fun fact, uh, Mitch was the first character we ever rigged. Oh, really? He was our guinea pig for everything. He was rigged like 10 different times in 10 different ways. <laughs> oh, my God. How many, uh, how many pivot points were there in his hair? to get that flop. <laughs> Surprisingly, not, not that much because uh, the show was done in Harmony, an amazing 2D animation software. And we they allow to have like bones and curves to um, bend the pieces. So that allowed us to, because the goal is to have the most flexibility with the least pieces. So, so yeah, so I think there was like two or three pieces in his hair. 
<laughs> in his like fluffy top hair. That's nice. impressive. Good to know. Yeah, because there's a lot of scenes with their hair where I just think, oh, there's like 15 points. <laughs> yeah, I love Mitch so much. I love his hairstyle in like the the season two when he gets his he gets his cool blonde dreads later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always one of the character changes. And I just like this. It's like teamwork. We're just gonna take everybody out. Be posing oh, everybody to stop and watch. Poses. It's so cool. Yeah. You see, that's a good shortcut to take when you're working in a series. When there's a crowd, having the crowd be animated and doing stuff is usually not useful. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really long to animate. So having these kind of static poses and crowd is really, really great. And it's a big time saver in animation. I think that was a song section, too. That was like, we loved all of her poses of like, when they were like holding Miko up as a plank over their heads. Oh, so, yeah, so that's like, great. <laughs> Yes, and this is interesting to me because Miko's not always the voice of reason. Not to say that she's unreasonable, but <laughs> I just found it very interesting in this episode where she's the one going, hey, we have a job. We have things that we have to do. Well, I think Miko is a prime example of, like for me, I'm, it's hard for me to focus on something, but when I have something to focus on that is really interesting, I, I like, it's my goal. And like, she may be scatterbrained and stuff, but when it's work, it's work. Like she's really work focused because I think it's, yeah, I think it's part of her character. She's really, like when she has the objective, she has to kind of get it and that's her job. <laughs> it's a good quality to have. And that goes for real life too, everybody. Focus on your work. <laughs> it's a good thing. And I love this. This poor guy. He has no idea. No idea what's going on behind him. <laughs> I love this thing coming up too. These, uh, when this thing, I, not, no, no, no spoilers, but we've got a nice little Ghostbusters 2 reference. <laughs> it's like, let's see if we can catch it. Yeah, I just like everything happening in the background. It's just like mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. <laughs> yeah, so for production, I know that you guys have like different lighting scenarios, different special poses. Like how many different types of like special poses and whatnot were typical for an episode like this, Adam? <laughs> not enough. Special? Yeah, not enough, exactly. Special poses fewer than we should have provided overseas, I think. <laughs> oh, there's that. Yeah, so Casino with the laser shooting out of his eyes. It's like, like a uh, <laughs> little kid in, in the park. That's too. funny. <laughs> yeah. It was the special lighting was the thing that really ballooned out of control, though. Every time they fire uh, an emitter from their gauntlet, that emits a light and it triggers a special lighting scenario for everything in that scene. Every time we introduced a new uh, ability on their gauntlet that made a new type of light. That was a new type of special lighting. Not to mention we have time of day changes. So we had early morning, morning, daylight, late afternoon, evening, and night. And not only that, the characters had shadows, which is not something you usually yeah. see in cartoons because it's expensive. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely the kind of beauty that a lot of people suffered for, but hopefully it's <laughs> worth it. I think so. 
from my perspective. Yeah, and that and that's that's one thing about glitch tag is that as hard as it, as it was and usually painful to work on, no one that I asked in the aftermath said that they wouldn't have worked on it and because that it's it's gorgeous and it's fun and we were really emotionally attached like i know half the people who worked on it wouldn't have worked on it if it wasn't for like the story is amazing we love the characters because it was really hard to work on and but as animators and artists sometimes we work on the show and after the show is done we're like oh that show was garbage <laughs> <laughs> that I that's, know that's true that you that have those shows where it's like well i paid my rent or my mortgage <laughs> or my kids have braces success exactly <laughs> because sometimes you have to be mercenary right and just work for the money but for glitch you were working for the show not for the money mm -hmm. well in the first season of every show is always hard because you got to figure out what the pipeline is while you're doing it mm -hmm. i mean it's learning how to run while you're running the marathon but but this show, man, yeah, it was like inventing new pipelines. <laughs> and yeah, and I spoke to Dan about it and he, he told me that the, the team as a whole learned so much in the very few episodes from like the feedback from Flying Bar, feedback from us, from everyone. And for example, there's, an, there's a whole episode uh, in the first, one of the Flying Bark one with the, the goo monster in the kitchen. Like they spent so much time and effort designing a kitchen that you're never gonna see again or like the um, or like the water park episode like there's a reason why the water park is closed and it's not open it's because if the water park is closed there is less water there's no crowds to animate so like these things are actually decisions that you're you need to take into consideration and he told me that for like season two and three and so on they really try to take these into consideration to have the show easier to do and stuff so that's that's also something that is very unique to the glitch tech it's one of the only show where i saw people actually learned from the lessons and stuff so that's really cool that's excellent rather than that's good to know and then completely forgetting about it and then putting <laughs> everybody through the same pain or just extra work that doesn't need to be done over and over and over again yeah i remember like when we would have episodes i think even at outline stage we would hand them off to the director the storyboard team director that would be taking the episode and be like hey flag anything in here that's unproducible from your end which you know they i think they they appreciated but also they were swamped with their episodes that were in production so like ah i gotta do homework on an episode that's coming up in a month <laughs> not easy nope but ultimately that helps down the line though if you exactly can... i think everybody saw that made the time and i love this too it's like this boy can't breathe you are suffocating him with the cuteness <laughs> I of kittens love that face the the mitch face in the bubble that was one of the special poses i remember we had pr printed it on so many walls <laughs> <laughs> it's like behold mitch face yeah i love mitch so much it's just, uh, yeah, he reminds me so much. Like, I mean, everybody that, like, when we were working on the show, everybody had their favorite between Nico and Five. And then at the end of the day, we were all like, no, Mitch is the best. <laughs> we had just a such wall a of jerk. puns. And we'd have so many puns with every character's name. Most of them were in French, so it's not going to work. But, like, and we also had a whole show <laughs> in our heads about Mitch Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the further adventures of Mitch. Like, what he's doing in his off time. What he's doing on his own missions. 
Just all oh, those little side card. This was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I love this too. It's like epic music playing to watch her <laughs> tongue try to hit a button. <laughs> yeah, and how she like conjures with her arm around Allie's neck. The most yeah. awkward. <laughs> Work with what you can. <laughs> Yeah, this whole scenario would be awesome if his friend was not going to get absorbed completely by this glitch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the backgrounds were gorgeous. They did a fantastic job. Like, the colors are so fresh and everything, so... Mm -hmm. That's something yes. we often overlook. <laughs> Scott Kakuda's like, background style for the show was just so cool. Mm-hmm. Really impressionistic, and I'm not an artist, so I don't know if I'm using that word right. But I'm gonna. Keep oh, you're it totally using that word right. <laughs> nah, it is true. Yeah, and I love this. She she is she is not letting go. <laughs> I remember the talks with like S and P, or you know, with Network about S and P for like how. When is it okay for Miko to be stuck on the outside of a car? And they're like, if she has magnets on her gloves. Like, okay, well, where's the line? <laughs> that is a good question because it's a lot of, uh, I know for our show, the big thing, and I'm sure they give it to you guys too, is, you know, Evils. imitatable Evils. behavior. You know, you, you right. don't want to have little kids thinking, I can hop on the top of a car and just drive away. Like, no, 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 no. No, you need magnetic gloves and then you can yeah. do your hair. Yeah, yeah, and that gag's good too with Allie. Just like, I'm just going to chomp on Miko's hair for a minute. Don't mind me. <laughs> Oh, and I like this poor Buzzy. There he goes. <laughs> no more Hanobi mascot. <laughs> yeah, and Five's finally coming to his senses here, realizing uh, your boy should not be tossing cars into billboards. <laughs> I believe Casino had a rap here uh, in the very original version of the script. Oh, really? Yeah, like I think he had two or three raps throughout. Why, why was that cut? Just for time or? I think it was for reason? time. And I think also like the, for every episode when we came up with like the concept for the, um, well, we, you know, the, when the writer's room came up with the concept for, uh, for the episode, we, what's the premise of the episode? What's the story that happens to Five and Miko? And then also, what are the rules of the video game that we're bringing into the episode? So we had to come up with an episode concept and a game concept that would it would get us where we need it thematically. So, so yeah, I think at the, in that version, it was like a rapping dinosaur game. Nice. <laughs> what? It's like the rapper, the rapper, but dino version. Exactly. Rapper, yeah, yeah. I like how this episode turned out, but it's also fun to think about what could have been. So those at home, you can just imagine the rap in your head. Just think about Casino, open that mic. That's right, open mic night with Casino. Yeah, and I like this coming up. Yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Mitch. It's just all of his reactions in the background are so great. Oh, and back in the studio back then, when we were just like testing animation to see how they would move, how they would do stuff, 
back then I had really long hair, <laughs> just like Mikkels, <laughs> and kind of the same fashion style as well. So they would just reference me to <laughs> they said it was as crazy. And that was funny. It was the greatest honor in my life. Nice. <laughs> Maria, strike a pose. You got it. What do you need? <laughs> I like that cat wipe. <laughs> Oh, the poor Fisher guy. He's just going to leave. <laughs> I would leave. I like, he's like, you know what? I don't even, I don't even. I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> oh, these, these, these cosplay kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they're doing something. I don't need to be here. Yeah, and such good effects too and everything. That's episode. sad though. It's so relatable. You know, yeah. when we started to work on the show, we we assumed that that the characters were much older than they actually are. And we related on that show from our age, I think. Like when we were like in our mid twenties, uh, up to thirty, when we have we work too much to see our friends and, and it's hard to because when you're in school you always see your friends, it's fine. But when you're when you grow up, you kind of have less time, and you have to choose who you're gonna see and stuff. So sometimes you do spend two years without seeing your very good friend, and and sometimes when you plan things, well, work is calling and stuff. So that these are some things that maybe kids can really I don't know. But like us as adults, all the all the episodes that we had so far, we related so much to these. Like they they have like adults issues <laughs> it, was, mm -hmm. it was refreshing to see that in a show because you don't often see that yeah i like, remember the team like talking about that theme in this episode that you're talking about marie like where they uh th the theme being it's okay to lose touch with friends like if you if relationships kind of grow apart organically like that's not it's not always something to mourn. There's like a bittersweetness there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you might grow away from somebody and you might grow back toward them. And I thought that was a cool, like nuanced and mature message for a kid's show that I hadn't seen either. Yep. A lot of the messages throughout the series are things that I don't see often in other shows. And I, would, I think that's what drove us to work our butts off to <laughs> make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely felt that on the Nickelodeon, the pre-production side as well. It was just, it was the stories that I would have killed to see when I was the age of these characters. So making the show you wanted to watch. I think that's oh, yes. the great the thing about working now. Oh, Marie, what were you about to say? I was, I was about to say that moment is coming. The sneeze. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> And that's another thing I love about the show, callbacks, because nothing is wasted in this show. You know, you have a little gag or you have something happening on the side and you might think, oh, that's just a cool thing. And then it just comes back in a really interesting way that's integral to the plot. And I really like that. And that's done very well in the show. And it's not like ham fisted or anything. And then he Mitch ends up being sort of a hero here, which is kind of odd considering he's given them such a hard time, but he ends up doing something cool. <laughs> like after that, he just runs away. <laughs> oh yeah, this, this run, yeah. the way he runs, right? <laughs> yeah, that's great. He's just like, hey, 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 away he goes. <laughs> yeah, they could just have him walk away, but no, that would not be his style. 
Oh, and the fisherman, I like how he's like, and he's back. Yeah. <laughs> we used to do that, like, Mitch stomp around the office all the time. Oh, my God, I can picture you guys doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I think you worked one floor down. You might have heard us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> all of y'all in unison. I like this, though, to your point of, yeah, you might not see your friends all the time, but... When you do see them, you enjoy their company more. And you have something to actually talk about when you see them because it's been mm -hmm. so long. Oh, this is wholesome. Yes. <laughs> oh, nice. I love it. And... <laughs> oh, let's see if it'll let us watch the credits or if it'll. Yeah, sometimes it automatically goes it's like, no, we want to watch this animation. We want to see what's going on back and forth. Oh, so, no, yeah. I'm disconnected from the party. Ah, no. But thank you guys, because, man, everything that y'all said, especially on animation, rigging, all the background info, that is so great to hear, because there's just, there's so much that goes into it that, you know, if you're not working yet in animation, you may not know, and you're not necessarily going to know that or see that, and it's not something that's always talked about. So thanks for sharing. Just how intense it can be and all the different things y'all are thinking about while you're working on this. It's crazy how little I know about like the rigging and I mean because it's another team you know we do the pre-production stuff at, at, on the Nick side and then we would ship it to a partner studio and then we don't know what happens and then it comes back. And and actually and, and that's true and, and like even I don't know much about what happens well now I know more because of my new job but uh, like what happens into the uh, pre-production studio that actually sends us this stuff like in California and stuff So yeah, Adam, thank you for sharing because I learned a bunch as well. Like I didn't know what a script editor was <laughs> Yeah, you too. Thank you. It's super educational for us as well. Oh, so thanks Angela for bringing this together <laughs> We're all, we're we're all to Dan about it uh, a while back he, he said that going into glitch tech a lot of the people on the team didn't because doing hybrid production, which Glitch Deck was, it's like hybrid between puppets and hand-drawn. Uh, there's not much show that does it. It's pretty new-ish. So there's not a lot of, re lot of reference to, to work from. And, and it's finding the people that actually know all the technicalities and the problem is not easy. And oftentimes people down the line, like me, we know what our craft is and how to do it, but people that actually take the decision in pre-production, sometimes they don't know all the details. And it's normal because you can't expect anyone to know everything about the pipeline. So as I was talking about uh, with him, I run a free education YouTube channel where mm. I teach a bunch of stuff and videos. And what we're trying to do is not only educate like the students and the future animators but also the people that are actually out there in the industry that might not have the time to spend three years to learn how to rig but sometimes maybe you just need to know how to design your characters to be able to rig them so that's the small a little quick videos that we want to do to try to help people actually learn and cross reference all the knowledge and he's helping me a whole lot on it by giving me people to work with and to interview and talk about and we are just trying to make the world like more connected together and help people learn their craft 
So I'm excited to see where this is going because it's brand new. So yeah. That is excellent. What's the name of your YouTube channel? It's called Z Bird Brain because that's my name there. Nice. And uh, yeah, I can send the links and stuff if you want to share them after. Absolutely. Yeah. Send that over and we will put that in the show notes so that all of you at home can definitely check that out because that's very important. No matter what your job is in animation, it's important to know. You don't have to know every single detail about what everyone does, but it's important to know at least in general, what everyone's job is, especially if your goal one day is to be a showrunner because you're going to be speaking with every single person on the team. So yep. you need to know what that pipeline is, what that production is. It will only help you and it'll help you be able to relate to your team better. It'll help with camaraderie and morale and it'll help with making a better show. So absolutely, thanks for sharing that, Marie. Is mm -hmm. there anything else that you're working on or any other social media links that you would like to share with people? Me? Yes, you. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have like a website or if you're on like Twitter or Instagram or anything, you'd like people to check out what you're working on. Well, that's also something important for artists. You are supposed to be easy to reach. So on any platform, if you write Z Bird Brain, you're going to find me. It's like Z E -er, and Bird Brain after all in one word. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. So on my YouTube, I talk a lot about Glitch Tech because Dan is coming over sometimes to talk about it. And yeah, I just try to help people learn. So that's mainly my platform there if people want to check it out. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, check out what Maria is working on because it's fascinating material. And Adam, what are you working on and where can people find you? Sure. Yeah. First, I need to say uh, thank you for doing that, Maria. I will go check out that YouTube channel and learn about those jobs I don't know about. Yay! <laughs> so the people I talk to will be less frustrated when I'm like, well, and if there's what, jobs what do you that mean? you really don't know about, please tell me because I don't know what people don't know because I'm not other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a really great idea. And especially now, too, when everybody's educating themselves at home anyway during a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, you might as well just learn some new skills. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for me, I'm, I don't really have much of a social media presence, but I will have a Cartoon Network short coming out in uh, hopefully early spring. I think we'll be done with post in February-ish, so hopefully it'll go like right on Cartoon Network's YouTube channel. It will be a short that I would created with Phil Jacobson, who is actually a board artist on Glitch Taxi, and I, I are know like Phil. You know partners. Phil? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're like oh, good buddies. World. We play D and D what? every weekend and. That's awesome. Congratulations on the short. How, so how, how long was this in the making? That We pitched that in uh, also 2016. We pitched that oh. while we were working on Glitch Techs. I think it was during lunch one day, we drove across the bridge, across the I-5 to Cartoon Network to go pitch our thing and then came back <laughs> and had a Glitch Techs meeting. Um, wow. <laughs> originally, yeah, yeah. So we've been working on it. Like we pitched it as a series and then, you know, you have to like, you have to like pitch up the chain and then we had to figure out what the actual short was that they wanted to make. So we had to pitch multiple premises in that and then refine it down and get it ready to ship. And, but yeah, it's been a really fun process. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Let us know. Even if it's not ready for this particular episode, this podcast will be going for a while. So if it shows up later, tell us. So that way we can make sure to promote you guys. Absolutely. You know, Thank one you. thing that we are passionate about in Glitch and one thing that in, the, in our team, we, we, we're just like, wow like i think 
and this is not a scientific fact, I might be wrong, but like I think that <laughs> Glitchak is the one and only show where the male and female protagonists are not in love with each other. And this is God sent. Yeah. This is perfect. Like it just shows that it shows kids and adults that yes, you can be friend with anyone and it doesn't have to end up into a love <laughs> triangle thing. And that was perfect. Right now, we were big fans of that thing. <laughs> yeah, as were we on the Nickelodeon side. We thought that was fun and refreshing. Yeah, I agree because, you know, I saw there was a lot of guy friends. It's nice to have friends and sometimes you're friends. And guess what? People do that all the time. And it's just really <laughs> positive to show people, yeah, you can just be friends with someone and it's great and it's fine. And it's it is refreshing and it is nice to see that, especially in an animated show for kids. Because, so. mm. you know, usually the girl is just there to make two boys jealous and create a love triangle for people to fight over on the internet. But no, yes. not in Glitch Deck. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. Ah, good, good times. Good times. Great to hear for your short. It's so great. Ah. Like, congratulations to finally see something almost done. Um, Thank you. And, yeah. and there you were saying, I'm not an artist. You're, you made a short with someone. You're. Oh, I'm the writer. Welcome to the club. <laughs> See, writing, writing, writing is art. Writing true, true. Is no, art. But, but those I'm graphic so words, sad. like. <laughs> but thank you. I'll take it. I appreciate it, y'all. Yeah. No problem. Very cool. Well, Marie, Ev, Adam, thank you both so much. Y'all have been so generous with your time. It has been an absolute delight talking with you today. Thank you for sharing all of your expertise. And to everyone at home, we wish you well and we will talk with all of you next time. Well, thank you so much for having us. It was a pleasure. And until next time. <laughs> yes, thank you, Angela.